Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. You know, a number of years ago, in 1965, the Beatles, the supergroup The Beatles, released, uh, uh, at the height of their popularity, released a song with a simple four-letter title. Just four letters and an exclamation point at the end of it. And I love that because there's not very many songs that have an exclamation point as a part of it. Like, um, I can think of only a couple right off of the top, top of my mind. Like, man, I feel like a woman, I think might have some punctuation. Uh, anyway, the title of the song was simple. It was just simply help. Help. I need somebody. Help. Not just anybody. Help. You know, I need someone. I mean, the song just kind of encapsulates like what we're talking about this week, this idea that humans just can't make it through this world alone. It's just too difficult. We need each other. We're social creatures. But not only that, the world is hard. The world is tough. The world can be cruel and horrible things can happen to us. And there are times, and I know we don't like this. We, I know we, we fight against this, especially some of you like really hard achiever types um, who who don't like to be dependent on other people, but there's times when we just need help from one another. There's a word for this. When we need help and, and other people give it, it's called compassion. When we have compassion for one another. And I was going through, uh, the other day I was going through this very long article on Rolling Stone on the 500 greatest songs of all time, which is an ambitious title and an even more ambitious project for Rolling Stone. Loved it. Super fascinating. As I was going through their list of top 100, there's a couple songs that stood out to me because they weren't about the whole, you know, most songs are about romance or a broken heart or a girl or a boy or something or love or some sort of thing like that. But there's a couple songs that were even bigger than that, kind of in the vein of help, like the famous song Stand By Me uh, by Ben E. King, right, which is about uh, needing some help and uh, somebody asking uh, will, will you will you stand by me in the in the midst of, of trouble? So darling, darling, stand by me. Oh, stand by me. Oh, stand. Stand by me. Stand by me. Another famous song by Bill Withers, Lean On Me. Lean on me. The famous Four Top song, which um, I'm a little embarrassed to admit, I first heard when my parents, when I was like little, gave me a cassette tape of the California Raisins covering all these Motown songs. And uh, I know that's embarrassing. I was not from California. Uh, I did not know the California Raisins were a thing. I did not know California Raisins were that... Um, that vocally gifted, but there was a song I'll be there by the four tops, which I love. I, I just, I, I just love this song. I'll be there. No, that was up to you. Anyway. Freaking love the Four Tops. And then also uh, the 1970 hit by Simon and Garfunkel, kind of the beautiful ballad, Bridge Over Troubled Water. I mean, these are all like huge songs, which is a song about compassion, about helping somebody in a difficult time. And friends just can't be found. 
There's so many songs like this. I don't know why I always go to music. My point is that even in our human expression, even in in our art forms, in how we express what it means to be human, there's a sense we need each other and we need to help each other. And that's what this week is about. It's about compassion. So this week I've got Jay Kim here. We're going to talk about the compassion of God. We're going to talk about the compassion of Jesus. We're going to talk about the compassion of Christians. And we're going to talk about our compassion right now because it's just not enough to talk about God's compassion and the early church's compassion. We have to embody that as well as Christians living right here, right now. And uh, with that, let's just dive right in. When the night has come And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me all right, hey everybody, welcome to the afterward. Here with Jake Kim. Hey. Week three. Yes. Of our campaign. That's right. Uh, last week, we were like, hey, the Niners. And we didn't oh, yeah. know how close oh, yeah. that yeah, game would what be. What a game. It was, it was in the rain. Yes. And that was messy and sloppy. Did you see that clip where Brock Purdy wipes his hand off like mid play? He's like dropping back, the rush is coming. And then he like <laughs> has to wipe his hand on his towel or whatever, and then regrip the ball. That's insane. Must be tough. It seems like well, he he the game that they lost in Cleveland, he hated that weather. Yeah, it was very clear that it bothered him. Um, so it is what it is, man. We won though. That's yeah, really, you know, and got was, the W. Yeah, well, you know, Jordan Love also missed some throws. If you looked, yes, he threw behind some guys. Yes. So obviously, the but again, we're recording this leading up to a when people will listen to it. So they'll be listening to they're this a little confused. Yeah, because they're playing the Lions in a few days. Yes, when you listen to this, we will. You will know already. Whether did the Niners beat the Lions? Yes. Which of course we did, forty-eight to seven. Oh, no way. There's no way. Hashtag prophecy. <laughs> I know. I'm no, just kidding. There's no way it's not going to be 48 to 7. Yeah, the Lions are good. Uh, Lions that, are good. That could be. It could be very exciting. Yes. Okay. Uh, we're actually here to talk about something um, different. We're here to talk about. Well, we're going to talk about the theme. We're going to talk about, and then I want to transition to the to the theme in the Bible, and then I want to talk about the demand for Christians. Yes. And I want to talk global and then individual. So yeah. we're, it, that's the the way it's going to go. Great. I want to talk about compassion. Yeah. As an attribute. Of God, uh, there was a quote. I'm, I'm prepping for a, a lab on Revelation, yes. And I'm quote, and I was reading this book, and Eugene Peterson said, "From time to time, it would be very good if, when someone asked the question, what is God like, for an intelligent, sane, uh, legible person to stand up and give a coherent answer." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I just love the way that there's a sense that when we say, "What's God actually like?" It's important that we have something to say. Yeah. And Exodus has one of the more beautiful passages in it. Yeah. In the book of Exodus, God actually describes himself to his people. Yeah. He calls them out. He rescues them. First of all, I think you can tell a whole lot about God just by his actions Mm -hmm. to rescue the people. But then Moses is up there on the mountain and God says to say, he says to Moses, hey, I'm going to reveal something about me. And this is actually the most oft requoted passage in the Old Testament in the rest of the Bible. Yeah. He passed in front of Moses and said, The Lord, 
the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh. He is a compassionate and gracious God. Yep. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Yeah. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness mm. and rebellion and sin. Mm. And so that's, that's the first part of this thing. And I love that the first word that God uses to describe himself is this word compassionate. Yeah. Which from my understandings of people who do a lot of word studies is that this word actually comes from a, like, it's like a womb word. It means like, uh, it's it's rooted in the word womb, which mm. is like the, the idea of a, a, a person, a woman caring for her, her child, her unborn child, like mm-hmm. a deep maternal care and compassion. What does it, and then of course it goes on, God would go on to to show deep compassion. Yeah. But it it means uh, this this deep care, and he shows this deep care by going and hearing the cries of the Israelites. And then, and it's not just an emotion, Mm. It is an emotion. It's deep in your it, it, it it's it's like tied to like deep in your guts, right? Yeah. That, that kind of pri- it's it's like almost primal. But God actually moves too. There's compassion. Also, is not just an emotion. It's stirred into action. Another famous time this word is used um, is in the story of Solomon mm. uh, when the two women come and they're like one of their babies tragically dies, and they both kind of claim the remaining baby. And then what Solomon does kind of wisely is he's like, hey, so we'll just cut the baby in half. You'll each have half. And it says that the mother of the baby, uh, she felt deep compassion, the same word, the same word. And that's how Solomon knew that it was the right, that that she was the real mother Yeah, because she was so moved. Uh, And then she acted and sprang to save the baby's life saying, I don't care if I'm the mother, just the baby cannot die. Right. So, so it's interesting that both times it's maternal. Yeah, there's like this womb maternal, like God's trying to say, this is how deeply I feel. Not that he's, God's neither male nor female, but just, so when you think about that, like as, even as you reflect on the teaching, the fact that God introduces himself as compassionate, yeah, like what's your reflection on that? Yeah. I mean, I think it's an interesting image that there are etymological connections to the womb. Because I do think compassion, you know, the English word compassion comes from two Latin words, which means essentially to suffer with. Um, and it's all kind of in the same realm. It's, it's a, you know, think about the womb. There's a sort of, there is a unique connection biologically even between a mother and a child in that quite literally the child is of the mother's flesh. And uh, specifically, you know, a child that is formed in the womb, I mean, really, truly is like a part of the mother's body. And so I think there is a unique connection because once that child enters the world and, and at a physical level is severed from that body, there is still a sense of, um, you know, bodily connection, bodily empathy from a mother to a, a child that is different than like a, a father. You yeah. Know? The child is both the father and the mother biologically, but a very unique sort of way in which the child is of the mother. And I, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really powerful way to think about compassion to suffer with, you know, not just to sympathize, but really like in, in an, an embodied empathy. Like I, I can, not just sort of feel bad for you or even with you, but like I truly feel 
you, you know, that yeah. sort of thing, which mothers and fathers to a certain extent, but mothers, especially sort of, they have that, you know, and, and to think that God has that sort of posture and those sorts of feelings toward us is just, it's very powerful. It's interesting also that the Greek, and you've done some work on this. I think, I, I can't remember, it's fairly recently, it was last year, we, we talked about um, Jesus feeling compassion, and the Greek word was splanchnizomai. Yeah, in the bowels. Which is also innards. Womb, it's in, yeah, it, there's it's a like sense a of, it's like viscera, of, yeah. viscera. Yeah. I think the Greek origin, it means like from the viscera, from your innards yep. or your bowels. Yeah. So it's like- In you, your gut. In you your gut, in like your gut, deep. Yeah. And I think the sense here- is that this is super like deep, yeah, right? And that Jesus feels deep compassion, um, and there's all sorts of times when Jesus feels compassion on people. Yeah, he sees the crowds and he feels it, right? Like, yeah. Uh, there's one time when he's overlooking I, I, another interesting maternal image. He sees the uh, Jerusalem and he says, "I've longed to gather you like, like a mother, mother hen." hen. Yeah. Uh, so there's a there's another sense of um, deep compassion that yeah. he feels. Um, yeah. So it was interesting because a couple, I, I forget when it was, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the humility. Oh, it was during Christmas, the mm-hmm. humility of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, that's got to be his number one attribute. And then the more I study compassion of God, I'm like, oh, that's got to be his number one attribute. Yeah. It's like yeah. I, humility is love enacted. But really, the reason that Jesus came is because of the compassion of God. Yeah. So that's, it's like almost like compassion might be and i i wonder do you think there's any importance to the fact that god lists that first mm. it or do you think that it's just like look they're all important and he's just giving us a list yeah well no i mean it i don't know i'd have to do more work i do think it makes total sense that he lists that first right when you think about um a holy perfect god and the gap that exists between that God and a sinful, broken, fallen people, you know, and then if you read on in Exodus 34, you read the whole thing, like to abound, to be slow to anger, to abound in love and, and to be faithful to his people, um, to forgive wickedness and rebellion and sin. Those things demand compassion. Like the only way yeah. to be that or to do that is to be compassionate. So it makes sense at minimum that he would say that he's compassionate and out of that flows all of this. You know, he abounds in love toward a broken, almost unlovable people. Right. And the reason why he's able to love us is because he can forgive us. He yeah. forgives our rebellion. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way to maintain relationship with right. with us stupid humans, right? Yeah. So there's yeah. that. Okay, so that's the God thing. Like, this is who God's character is. It's yeah. exhibited in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, we see his compassion on display. Yep. It might, it, in fact, you could make a case that Luke's gospel, Luke the doctor, uh, gives more examples of Jesus's compassion than any other mm. of the gospel writers. Yeah. But this idea of God moving to us in our need is all—it's one of the dominant themes of the entire. New, and the, he not just has compassion, but moves, lives, and bodies dies. Yeah. Um, but. So it's an attribute of God. Yeah. It's what God does. It's an attribute of Jesus because he's part of the Godhead. He exhibits it perfectly and, and shows us this. Yeah. But then there's the demand on us, mm. which is that's, that's, it's one thing to say that God is compassionate, but then the rub is 
So therefore, because we have been shown such incredible compassion, that it has to change and shift us. And that's where it gets a little more difficult. Yeah, That's where it gets, that's where the rubber meets the road. But that's the hard part. And that's kind of what you were talking about this weekend, that we want to embody the same kind of compassion. Yeah, yeah. So that's... That's uh, that's the hard part, um, and that's I think where at times a lot of Christians maybe stop. Yeah. So talk a little bit about like. Yeah, I mean, as we talk about here to stay, we've said this many times at this point. You know, uh, a a very significant part of why we are trying to do what we're trying to do is because we have a sense that God is calling us. Um, in addition to you know. Uh, making our our actual physical spaces here more inviting and welcoming toward the entire city, which is an act of love, we think, an extension of love in some way to those uh, around us, to our neighbors. In addition to that, you know, we also, not even just also, we first want to extend more compassion in a tangible way, locally and globally. Mm -hmm. And... A lot of that is driven. It's not because we had like a great idea. Oh, wouldn't it be cool to give more money away? Of course. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, and hopefully it would do more good in the world in Jesus name. But really it is, it is driven by the fact that we are made in the image of a compassionate God. And then Jesus throughout the gospels makes it clear. I know this past Sunday we talked about the good Samaritan yeah, story, which is kind story. of the primary, yeah. it's like one of the primary texts people go to, but all over the New Testament, all over the Gospels, Jesus um, embodies a sort of compassion, a sacrificial laying down of himself for the good of others and for the good of all. And then you see the first Christians throughout the rest of the New Testament take that call very seriously. Yeah, boy. And then church history reveals to us that the earliest Christians and followers of Jesus took that call just as if not more seriously which led to so much good that is still in the world today yeah you know hospitals and orphanages you had a quote from world. mark nelson i'm going to read it real quick yeah um i it, he, this is mark nelson who's a, a historian and christian um uh, writer author mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is that the right word yeah he said i would suggest that wherever you have an institution of self-giving for the lonely and for practical welfare of the lonely schools, hospitals, hospices, orphanages for those who will never be able to repay. Mm. This probably has its roots in the movement of Jesus. Yeah. And I think that almost everyone in the United States would say universally, almost everyone I know I've ever met would say that is a good thing. It's a beautiful, powerful thing to care for those who cannot repay, who are vulnerable, who are sick. Yep. It is a good thing. It's a good thing we have hospitals. It's a yeah, schools and we all those things. The young. Yeah, right. All those yes. things. And 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 yet he's saying that in our post-Christian world, hey everybody, let's just be reminded that sprang up. That is not an ancient virtue. That's not Greek. That's not Roman. Yeah. That's that's actually Jesus. Yeah. This is a point that's not really even argued or debated much anymore. Um, a few years ago. Uh, a scholar named Tom Holland wrote a book called Dominion, which got a lot of notoriety. Uh, and he he makes the same point that, you know, what we consider virtuous mm-hmm. um, at, at a personality level and at a um, sort of systematic societal level, 
you know, things like uh, humility and kindness and gentleness, as well as places like hospitals and schools and orphanages. He argues um, very clearly they all find their their roots in the movement of Jesus. And what's so interesting is Tom Holland is not a Christian. You know, like he's talking about Tom Holland, the uh, the the historian, not Tom Holland, Spider Man. No, no, Spider-Man. Oh, you're talking he about... writes Tom, books on the side. Zendaya's boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know he was that. You're a dyke. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, not that. Not, not, that not Spider-Man. Yeah, the historian. Yeah. So, you know, that's it's probably the most like popular, popular level reading in recent years. It's, mm-hmm. it's not an easy read, but um, that argument, it's not an argument anymore. It's, yeah. it's just kind of like understood... That the way of Jesus, and it's not just because Jesus taught it, and that's where it matters for you and me and for our church. It is because Jesus's earliest followers took his teaching seriously, and they did it. They sacrificed and they gave. You know, I said it at South Hills on Sunday. Um, you know, by the 14th century, uh, m- the overwhelming majority of hospitals throughout Europe were run and led and paid for by Christians. Um, in Germany in the 14th century hospitals, their actual name wasn't, they were called in German, they were called houses of the Holy spirit. Wow. And in, in England in the 14th century hospitals were called God's house. I mean, it's just, you know, but today we call them hospitals and we're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. But I think about how many hospitals, almost every city I've ever been in has had, had good a, good, a good Samaritan yeah. hospital. Yeah. It's right there. The story is right there. That's right. Okay. So, uh, and first of all, when you talk about this, I get so fired up because I'm like, man. And that's, uh, there was another book uh, I read a number of years ago called The Rise of Christianity by yeah. uh, Stark, Rodney, Rodney Stark. Stark. Also not a Christian. And he, yeah. right. But he wrote this book saying, man, it was the Christian presence during these two giant plagues. Yeah. Christians stayed with their neighbors, loved their neighbors. And he did all, it's a fascinating look at how a human will die so quickly. If there's no one, if everyone abandons them. Correct. Yeah. But a lot of times these illnesses, if you had basic nursing, which is, uh, sanitation care, water and food, yeah. and then blankets, you know, if you just had someone to take away your waste and then also feed you, give you water, your survival rate went up like tenfold. Yeah. Yeah. And so when Christians stayed uh, unafraid of death because their savior had been raised and they would be raised to death and they stayed the number of people that they saved. And then of course the response of those people, how would you feel towards somebody if they stayed and your whole family left Yeah, that would become your new family. Yeah, and you would become a follower of Jesus. And they just said that. And Stark makes the case that the survival rate of those left behind all became Christians. Yeah, of course, and of course, because if you care for me and my kid or my wife or whoever it was. Yeah, on Sunday there was this quote from Dionysius, who actually is in the Bible. He's a he's a judicial figure at the Areopagus, Mars Hill, and he says yes to Jesus. He converts to Christianity when Paul famously preaches at the Areopagus, and he's got this quote not in the Bible but in some other literature. He says, that, to your point, the pagans thrust aside anyone who began to be sick and kept aloof, even from their dearest friends, and cast the sufferers out upon the public roads, half dead same language as the good Samaritan story. 
and left them unburied and treated them with utter contempt when they died. But the Christians visited the sick without thought of their own peril and ministered to them, drawing upon themselves their neighbor's diseases and willingly take, wow. taking over to their own persons the burden of the sufferings of those around them. They lit- It's like Father Damien. Like yeah. becoming a leper yeah. by serving the lepers. Well, yeah, that famous Father Damien story where um, he, what, what does he say? It's like this really beautiful thing where he says something along the lines of like, initially I served the lepers, but now I am the leper. And he meant it in like a really profoundly beautiful way that he, even though he was going to die, yeah, he saw that as like, this Christ-like trajectory, which it is. And, you know, the Dionysius quote is so helpful for me because you read what the early Christians did taking upon themselves. I mean, that's like the Isaiah 53 passage yeah. come to life. He bore our sufferings. Yeah. And so the the first Christians did, like, they did it. They yeah. saw Jesus do it, and they just took it seriously. They took the Good Samaritan story seriously. And... um and we want to be a people as a church family who do the same, like bear witness to the way of Jesus yeah. by sacrificing in a way that uh, people far from God look and they say, holy smokes, when everybody else is like, hands off, that's their problem. I've got my own problems. These people, because of their belief in Jesus, they they wade into those. That's a powerful you know, apologetic. I wonder, I wonder, and I don't know if you have a sense of this, and I guess in some ways it matters, in some ways it doesn't, but I wonder if you asked people in the United States, um, do you think that Christians um, show compassion? Mm. What's interesting about that is in the churches I've been a part of, it has absolutely been true. Yeah. The most compassionate, the most giving people that I've ever met in my life have been a part of the local churches I've been a part of because I got to see them up close and personal. So yeah. whatever caricature exists out there, yeah, uh, that's not exactly my experience. But I wonder if you think that, or if most people would say, Christians are compassionate people. I, in some ways it doesn't matter because the, the call of Jesus is the <laughs> it won't change. Uh, do you think that that's the case, that people would say yeah. Christians are compassionate? No, I don't think they would. But what's so interesting, I, I'm looking something up here. I, I um, read some data not that long ago. Uh, it's going to take me too long to find it. Basically, um, I read some statistics where they actually accounted, they took out like um, giving to a local church. They took that out. They eliminated that. Eliminated they supporting your see, local church. Yeah. yeah, they wanted to see, because it would it would swing the percentages too much. They wanted to see um, were evangelical Christians in America any more generous than irreligious people with, you know, the nuns and the duns. Was there any Delta in generosity removing supporting your local, to church. local church? Cause if you included that, of course, it'd sure. be, you know, and what they found was evangelical Christians in America are actually not just a little, but, exponentially more financially at least generous than those with no religious affiliation now um you know that that only tells one part of the story I but yeah. i share that only yeah. to say there are caricatures yes that are not totally accurate. they're not founded yeah. well i think one of the things that you shared and i was going through your notes earlier in the week just looking at the stuff and there was a number that came out and um i was I was shocked. I literally took me, I, I, I sat with it for a long time. About 10 years ago, I came on staff, a, a sim, almost the same as you. Um, it was, 
I came in like February. You came in like in, in like April. Yeah. About 10 years ago. In the last 10 years, Westgate Church has given away, outside of its walls, $16 million. Yeah. And I started thinking, well, Jay, you'd have your building if we just would have saved all that money and not given it away. Correct. <laughs> we yeah. would be done. Yeah. We wouldn't even have to have a campaign. We'd That's have right. that. It would have grown. And the only thing we would have had to do is just not give anybody who's hurting outside of our walls and all of our ministry partners who serve those who are hurting. All we had to do is just not serve them. Right. Yeah. And I was like, that's not a, that that's, of course, that's not the right trade. Yeah. But that is a staggering amount of money. Um, and that speaks to the generosity of the people yes. here. Um, it speaks some, somewhat to the wealth of the people mm-hmm. here, yeah. which is when you have means, Yeah, I think there's a demand yeah. that God is saying, share, be generous. Yeah. I'm really proud of that. Me too. Uh, this church. I'm Me proud too. to be a part of a church like that. And then there's also a part of me that's like, we could have done more. Yeah. I, I really believe we could have done more and I hope we do more. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's powerful. Okay. Now we've talked to macro. Um, and, and, and I remember this, this past weekend, a dear friend of ours, um, my daughter babysits for the family. She's a nurse mm-hmm. and she's like, she's like, I just got to ask you, like, is there anything we can do to help in the situation in the middle East? Mm. I see children, I see on both sides, like it's just you hard like in, in Gaza, in Gaza yeah. Strip, like just the the images and the stories coming mm-hmm. out are are utterly heartbreaking. I have a friend who's a doctor who's a part of our church, and he's been texting me similar things. And, and just he's like, actually doing some stuff with and uh, and and at one point, Kayvon happened to be there, so I I, I pulled him over yeah. <laughs> because Kayvon knows all the stuff we're doing. He's like, dude, it's so dangerous right now. Yeah, but then he just affirmed her nurse heart yeah because she got into nursing because of compassion yeah you know every civil servant does you know and he's like i totally get it and here's what we're trying to do but here's what we're gonna and the needs are gonna be here and this and that uh and there's a little bit of even the un can't really get some stuff in so it's like really complex but there's a there's the global stuff and there's the money stuff which we talked about which is the you know the big picture yeah but i remember a number of years ago when i was like 24 new christian brand new um i had a friend who lived in nashville and so i would drive to nashville and they had a church that they went to and it you know nashville was kind of like this hub of christianity and there's a pastor there named scotty smith yeah and the reason why i went to his church is because i was a huge fan of Stephen chris chapman i knew he attended there and i was kind of mm-hmm. hoping i could like yeah. see him at church you wanted to go on a great adventure i did i did i, w- I was a huge Stephen chris chapman fan he was really formative. did you saddle up your horses i did i did and uh and i had a trailer blaze <laughs> I did. Anyway, so I went there, and he, he actually gave this message, and it was so arresting. He said, look, our church gives away this. Our church does this. Yeah. He's like, it's not enough to belong to a church that does works of compassion mm. and that gives generously. Yeah. That's not the call to belong to a church. It's to be a Christian who also does that. Yes, yeah. So he was calling his people to participation. He's like, don't hide behind the fact that your church does this. That doesn't relieve you of your sacred duty before God yeah. to be a compassionate person, to right. move in whatever realm or place that God has called you. Yeah. And he's like, the dream is not just to have like a, a house and you know a car and 2.5 kids. It's to become like Jesus. Yeah. And that was when I quit my job and then moved into teaching. I mean, all of that was the impetus of that. The, yeah. he, he was saying that it's not enough to belong. You've got to call in your life to be yeah. compassionate to act like Jesus, to be formed in this. And that, that was so, and that was the reason, again, I got out of that job, my old job, I quit my job like a month later Mm. because I couldn't sit in this anymore. My life had to matter. Yeah. 
And um, I, I'd love for you to speak just for a second just about the individual call to compassion. I mean, because we talked about the big picture being a part of this thing. And we do want, there's a corporate element of this yeah. for sure. Yeah. But there's also an individual element. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the the distinction or we make or the dichotomy we create between the corporate and individual um, call to compassion is a false one. Oh, really? Okay. Uh, compassion is compassion. So we are called to be a compassionate um, people and people are just lots of individual persons who come together. And sometimes we come together literally. And sometimes we're most of the time we're living life in our own, you know, but we're always connected. So to be a compassionate church, a church is simply the people of God, the gathered people of God. So to be a compassionate church is to be a compassionate people. And to be a compassionate people is to be a compassionate person who belongs to other persons in the name of Jesus. So it is, I, I love that story because I do think that happens a lot. You know, we're really proud to be a, like the numbers are really cool to say. And and I, I hope it is helpful in an evangelistic yeah. missional way. I Change hope the narrative kind of way. Yeah, I hope you do take a CI calendar to your work and it's out on the coffee table and your coworker over lunch is like, is that your church? And you're like, yeah. And I hope you're able to proudly say like, yeah, we we give a lot away. We, or at least we try. You know, I hope you can do that. Um but that's not why we do what we do. So you can have a nice calendar and invite your friend to Easter because he knows that your church is, is at least not selfish. That That's a part of it, I guess. That's hopeful, peripheral sort of thing. But no, we do what we do because we hope it, it shapes all of us and we hope all of us individually are shaping that story. And that demands compassion as a way of life, not compassion as sporadic action. The sporadic action and those moments of great sacrifice matter a great deal. Of course, we're in a season like that now where we're saying, ask God what he's asking of you and do that, you know, sacrificially, generously for some of us, even radically. But it also means every moment of every day, um, asking God by his spirit to uh, give us the wherewithal and the discipline to to do the compassionate thing, to to do the loving thing when other options are always so readily available. It is always possible to prioritize our comforts and conveniences over the needs of others. That is always an option. It It's never not an option. Um, so in those moments, you know, our hope and prayer, and that could be financial generosity, but most of the time, yeah. It's a sort of compassion of presence. It's extending our presence, you know, the gift of our attention to one another. The- it's interesting because in the story of the great, uh, the good Samaritan, he stops and notices, gets down yeah. off his animal, which is kind of a dangerous thing to do. Yeah. Cause on the that ban- road is on the band. Yeah. The bandits could still be nearby. The yeah. ones who just took, you know, he goes, he grabs the man and then he cares for him. And that would have been a grueling journey. And then he pays for, his yeah, his recovery shelter, yeah. his shelter there's a sense of you have to stop the other day i was walking my dog and it was it was monday and it we, we have terrible rain this past yeah. week i mean just tons yeah. so i'm looking for any pocket where it's not raining so my dog will not go insane mm. and i can go walk him yeah you know and not get poured on and i'm walking and my neighbor a couple doors down he just moved in 
He's going through, I know this, he's going through a grueling, nasty, awful divorce. Mm. And it's just ripping him up. And there's custody issues. It's super awful. And he's like, and I'm wearing a, a sweatshirt that says, like, Bible, you don't know, yeah. <laughs> Bible, yeah. and uh, because it's a it's a Bible a Westgate Bible uh, sweatshirt, he's like, "Hey, you're you're a pastor, right?" I'm like, "I'm trying to get around my block with my dog before right. I get rained on, right, right, dude. Right. I don't have yeah. time yeah. to like yeah. stop in your yeah. driveway and like I'm and I was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, so I stopped, and then we just stopped for twenty minutes, and yeah. I just said, "Hey, I." It sounds like the, how are things going? Scale of one to ten. Yeah, he's like about a zero. I'm mm. like, oh man, tell me more. Yeah, and we just talked and this and that and this and that, and then you know it opened the door for more conversations. And the reason I say that is because it like it absolutely, you know, had to it it sucked me out of my own. I have to get around the block. I don't want to get rained on. But also, what happened was. I realized that the gift of attention, to your point, yeah. I think you've written, you're about to release a whole book on that, so we'll get into that later. But the idea of attention is really an act of compassion. Yeah. Because people are desperately hurting. They need to be known. They need to have their, they need to have these wounds kind of, they need to talk about it. Yeah. It's just hard. Yeah. And to feel alone the way he's feeling alone, yeah. to feel upset the way he, he needs that. Yep. And so even offering that, could actually be the gift of listening might be one of the greatest acts of compassion right you could give somebody yeah that's right yeah that's good so kudos to you man well no that's it's awesome. not that it was you should have seen no, my it's internal, a big deal yeah, you should have seen my internal monologue i was well like, <laughs> that's normal though i mean we shouldn't feel bad that it's hard yeah it, it is hard compassion is hard but it's, it's it demands us yeah, yeah it's an act of the will you yeah know? It's good stuff, yeah. and I, 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 that reminds me. I think that we can we can be those kinds of people. Well, yeah. this is just one aspect of it, but compassion is a, a part of this campaign. We're trying yeah. to get, like you said, we're trying to give away more money than we've ever given away, yeah, to a tune of trying. almost we're yeah. almost fifty percent more than we've ever given, which mm-hmm. is an exciting exciting yeah. proposition. Not just so we can say it or have a calendar, although that will be great. Yeah. But so that more people who are hurting. It's less than 50% more. I think the most we've ever given away is 2.18. But I'm saying like like so typically 5. we give 1.6 to 1.8 and we're trying to get oh, 2.5. Oh yeah, it's more than that. Yeah, it, almost 50% more than the normal. Yeah, the yeah, normal amount sure. that we're trying to yeah. give away. If I wasn't precise with my language, sorry about that. Um, but anyway, and so and next week is commitment week. So we're asking yeah, people. Yeah, this coming Sunday, February 4th. Yes, yeah, coming, coming, coming Sunday. Sunday. Yes. So pray. We've asked people, hey, just spend some time. It's a normal worship service. It's not it going to be like just no. bring the. But, but it's a we'll special have a moment. moment. Yeah, yeah a moment. we'll have a moment. It's going to be special. I'm really excited. And we'll just just pray. We're inviting everyone to, who calls Westgate Church their home to participate. Pray, yeah. and just whatever God says. Yes, and that's that. that's what's exciting. Do that. Do that. Well, thanks, Jay, for being here. Thank you. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. All right, just want to say thanks to Jake Kim for stopping by. Uh, Join us next week for our final week of our Here to Stay campaign. And remember, our commitment cards, we're going to be doing that as a church next week. So take some time, set aside some time, pray, and we're excited about what God's going to do. And uh, we will see you next week. Okay, bye.
Now if you feel that you can't go on Because all of your hope is gone And your life is filled with much confusion Until happiness is just in a Happiness is just in the world around It's crumbling down Happiness is just in the world around It's crumbling down